0: Hey, 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 my friends, the Black Tribe podcast, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am, uh, I'm out here seeing some amazing people, um, meeting a new marketing firm that uh, is actually helping us at Adventures and Missions, and I am going to be on the road a lot this next couple of months. Uh, it's Febu- the weekend of February 6th right now. Uh, I will be going to Phoenix soon uh, to be with a group of men and preach. I will be in uh, Tennessee. My goodness, I'm going to be in Kansas City with Lou Engel, February 22nd. In a really cool kind of 500 of us meeting in an intimate gathering. Uh, we're going to be out in Washington and um, Bellingham with Jonathan Hansen and the A Life Tribe, and we love those guys so much. Anyway, lots going on at the in the Black Tribe. Lots happening. Um, I want to impart to you, I want you to grab hold uh, of a message. If you're listening to this on Patreon, thank you for being a Patreon. Uh, It's huge. Patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa Black. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or uh, our SoundCloud, man, thank you for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the tribe. Man, we love your feedback. Um, And so this, especially on this, guys, I'm I've been really diving in to uh, just different types of teachings. Um, love the Bema podcast. I'm going to keep endorsing that. Uh, some of the ra- rabbinical teachers and books that I've kind of t- picked up and start reading. Um, it's just really teaching me to stop trying to figure out all the answers and just ask better questions. Just slow down. Um, learn how to rest. Learn how to work from a place of rest. Uh, and we've talked about all that, but I just want to walk through um, something I felt like God downloaded on me. Part of part of I was on a short fast, three days water fast, um, and just got a lot of download, a lot of impartation. I've had a, 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 a like I said on the last Pat podcast, a lot of prophetic swirl um, around right now. Just crazy stuff is going on. Um, but the, the Lord said something to me the other day. He said, um, "I am birthing." A generational Issachar moment. Now, I don't know if you remember who Issachar was uh, in the tribe um, of Israel. I believe he was the fifth son, born to Leah the ninth, uh, to Jacob. Um, There's a lot of different meanings around his name. Some of them negative. Some of them are really cool. But the point of it was is that the men of Issachar understood the times. And it's really cool to go dive into it. I want to encourage you uh, to go dive into I mean, they they studied the moon. You know, it was lunar. It was this. They knew the harvest time. They just understood the time. It said there was 200 chiefs, um, and they give direction to Israel. And it was during the the, the, the mighty uh, men of, of David, kind of all the tribes joining together as David became king, uh, which is awesome. I <laughs> mean, just so cool to study that. Uh, But understanding the times in which we live is what I want to talk about. And it's a generational Issachar transformational moment right now, I believe, in 2022. We know that our public school systems are broke. I mean, they are a mess. Much of our church system is broke. The way we do church is very transactional and very soul level. We've talked about that a lot in the past. We know are probably the most broken system in America right now, and probably the world is our universities. We're, we're still teaching things from 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's been infiltrated um, by very liberal, very, um, actually not just liberal, but communist uh, thinking for many years now. There's been a real plan around that. Um, and it's, it's a broken system, and we have to fix it. Uh, we have broken systems all around us. And, and my question is, and I felt like the father asked me this, who's going to step in and bring life? Who's going to step in and start to bring that transformation in and through a generation? And I, and I believe he said it's going to take all of us. I believe this is a multi-generational Issachar moment. And, and to understand the times in which we live to and what's happening. And how do we communicate with the culture? How do we embrace them and love them and not endorse the way that they're living? I just, this is an argument I hear all the time. I'm going to do a podcast soon with one of my spiritual son, who's a homosexual, loves Jesus with his whole heart. And I just want him to take us on that journey um, and where my struggles are, where, where his struggles are. Um, I just want to start diving into some deeper thoughts, but there's no question to me, the only way you get to know this culture is to to understand their language, to get to know them. If you want to learn Spanish or you want to learn French, what do you do? You learn their language. You learn how to speak their language and understand their language. And we're just not taking the time to do that with a generation, in my opinion. And, And in the West, you know, we love our seven steps to get to healing, or our twelve steps to this, or you know. And 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 what I love about studying these rabbinical uh, teachers and these rabbis and these different thought process, Eastern way of learning, is that in the in the East they want you to experience and own the story, and not only own the story but trust the story. I think I I know that the whole. Old Testament and New Testament, the the story over the Bible, in the Bible, the overarching is do you trust the story? And we watch men and women, one after the other, that have to learn and experience who God is, not just be taught about him. When Abraham took Isaac and lifted the knife and he was about ready to take his own son's life and God stopped him, and what was God saying? He's saying, I'm not like the other gods that everybody around here is serving. They were sacrificing their children to these other gods. And God says, Abraham, I just can't tell you that. I want you to go live it. Go lift the knife and I'll show you that I am so much bigger and better than all the other gods around you, but you must experience me. You, you, get, you, you have to know me, not just be taught about me. And I believe that's a big gap right now we have with a lot of the immature kind of uh immature men in our pulpits are, are teaching these uh, ridiculous messages and and about women not in leadership and i mean just so many things that there's so many holes in now that we just know by studying and actually absorbing and experiencing holy spirit as we dive into the word of god it is the Rama word of God, along with the written word of God, always. It's never one or the other. It's always both and. And we need more questions. We don't need answers. And that's so hard for our Western minds to get the self around. It's just so difficult for us. But listen, this is a message uh, that Andrew uh, Shearman imparted into my hearts. And then many of you listening, you were born to be loved. Genesis 1 is the true gospel it's not genesis 3 not a separate i mean i'm not going to get into all that right now but genesis 1 it's a poem not a science lab experiment when he said it's very good when he's creating right what is what is his name elohim means creator and a couple other things we're going to get to in a minute but he's creating the world And I love the chiasm in Genesis 1. And I think every theologian, anybody that's ever studied scripture would agree that Genesis 1 is a poem. And again, not a science lab experiment. And when he says it's very good, and then he gets to us, and he says, oh, babe, all these things are good, but you guys, you humans, you're very good. And then he does what? He rests. And he's trying to tell us to stop trying to produce and get our value from performance and learn to rest and celebrate simply in who we are. I tell my buddies all the time, uh, we're working on this subcoin and this uh, crypto and we're creating our own exchange and God's really breathing on it. It's very prophetic and, and crazy. But uh, uh, one of my business partners, Eli Re- Regalotto, he actually, he was on a podcast a couple podcasts ago. He sent me this morning a picture of a guitar. He and I had a, uh, a music label together and all the owners signed this guitar that was given to us. And it was pretty cool. But I told him, I said, when you're Eli, you're the best you'll ever be. Don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that God created that in you and you get to create from that. But not about in performance, not about in trying to show up your neighbor or, or make all that money or drive that certain car or get that jet, which I think are all amazing things and beautiful things. But if that's why you're working so hard, you're completely missing the point of creation because he got to the seventh day and he said, rest and celebrate, have some fun. And guess what, guys? The seventh day never ended. We're supposed to live in rest, work from rest. That doesn't mean that you're going to go down to the beach and drink a martini every day all day. That means that you're going to be diligent. You're going to be disciplined, but you're going to start your day with rest. You're going to start your day sitting with the Father it is an interesting in genesis 1 and i love this i think the bema guys talked about this is that it was it was evening and it was morning and then the next day and it was evening and it was morning because in that culture in the eastern culture their day doesn't their day starts with rest their day their sabbath starts on friday night they start with rest and they wake up and work so it's it's, it's this 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 idea of starting and learning to to live and rest and learning to live and, and celebrate and simply who we are and we must guys we've got to teach this generation that they were born to be loved not born to be right let me say that again we've got we've got to model it and then we've got to teach and impart and let them catch that yes they were born to be loved they weren't born to be right it's not about right and wrong ever. It's about life and death. And this is really cool. You know, Goshen, where the Israelites were, you know, you remember the story, uh, Joseph and all that happened. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh at the time gave him Goshen. It's the, I think, I believe, and I and I need to confirm this, it is still the most fertile land in the world. It's go- beautiful and green and produces all kinds of things. It's a fertile Gorgeous land that the Israelites lived in. And for over four centuries, every one of their needs were met. Yes, they were in slavery slavery, and it was bad conditions at times, but they never lacked food. They had their cattle. They had all the things that they needed. That's why they wanted to keep going back there because <coughs> everything was provided for them. They didn't, they didn't need faith. They didn't need for, for, for four, over 400 years. They learned how to make brick. They even learned how to make metal. And again, everything was taken care of. Their whole life was built around how many bricks can I make today and try to please my master. It was all about performance. It was all in slavery. How many bricks bricks can I make? How much can I perform? And the desert wasn't about getting the Israelites out of Egypt as much as it was about Egypt out of the Israelites. Let me say that again getting them out of Egypt after 400 and some years of slavery, Moses leading them to the Red Sea. You know what that Red Sea represents when it opens is a birthing. That's a birth canal. They were The, the Israelites were being birthed into their new freedom, which it took them 40 years to even kind of understand. But the, the point was he wasn't just trying to get them out of Egypt. He was trying to get Egypt out of them. Performance, empire thinking, not be able to rest, not understanding that they have an inheritance. And guess what, guys? The generation we're dealing with right now is stuck in the same way with all of our social media and all of our performance and, and what are my looks and my comparisons and all these filters that make these young girls look so sexy and beautiful and different. And they're all dying in the fact that they, they just can't get out of slavery. And they just, they just want to keep running back to Egypt, to slavery, because of, of the way we've taught them in our churches, the way we've educated them in our universities. It's from, from very little, from kindergarten on, you can't talk unless you raise your hand. There's no creativity. There's, there's no rambunctiousness. There's, there's that, that holy rebel that we look for in young leaders, that they, they question things. And again, they're looking for answers. And I love that about Gen Z is they're actually looking for answers to all these questions. There's a really cool article, uh, I believe, I think Seth Barnes sent it to me uh, uh, in Charisma, and actually highlighted in these notes that I'll have, uh, so you can get it from the notes in the podcast and on um, Patreon. Um, But it's all about the teenagers and young adults are abandoning their faith like no other time. And, and, you know, all the issues in the generation with depression and suicide, suicide amongst young girls is up 51% from two years ago. And young women do not kill themselves. But there's a cool quote in the, in the article by Dr. Uh, Alex McFarland. He says, many youth have, have no or very limited exposure to adult role models who know what they believe, why they believe it and are committed to consistently living it out in other words we can't blame the liberal boogeyman the social media we can't even we can't blame the church we can't blame anyone else because the blame really lies with us we forgot how to mentor we never discipled a generation I've, i think i've told this story no one ever discipled me i mean i watched my dad honestly, be an angry Christian for most of his life, not knowing the full love of who the father actually is, but living a performance-based, empire-based Christianity, which has served him. He, you know, we still argue all the time about the rapture and all this horrible stuff happening, and this is the end times and all the things, and And, 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 and it's, it's fun because we're both eights and we love to argue, but he's, he's lived in this, that space his whole life. And, and and it's because he wasn't discipled. He he had one pastor that kind of walked him into Christianity, uh, but it was all about getting everybody saved and performing and fear fear based. Genesis three, we're separated from God. We're horrible stinking sinners. And it takes work to get us out, which again, I'm not here to argue all that. What I, what I do know is the gospel that we were born good, that we are good, that there's a father that would rather die than not be with us, that he, we were born to be just loved by him and that we need to stop trying to love him so much and just allow him to love us. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and we've got to get this generation into the reality that we got to get this generation out of their basements. Off their video games. We know by all the studies, I could send you many articles, uh, that the biggest driver to porn addiction is video games, and especially our young men. They start playing in second grade, third grade, probably even earlier than that, and it gets them addicted at endorphin, all the stuff that happens. It is the biggest lead-in to porn addictions. And 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 we gotta get them out of their basements. We gotta get them back out in the nations. And again, I'm not I, I don't care about getting them to the nation so that they, they can serve orphans and poor people and then forget about America. I want them to leave America to get America out of them, just like the Egypt, just like getting Egypt out of the Israelites. We've got to get this uh, false religious uh, teaching and, and performance off of them. And the way we do that is by getting them out of the fog of America, letting them see the reality of how life really is is in some really horrible, poor, desperate places and let, watch. let them allow them to bring that life to people. And it awakens something in our young people that they'll never be the same. And I want them to come back in America, strong and full of faith and full of piss and vinegar and ready to serve and love their neighbors at much deeper levels than they ever knew they could because the light switched on. There's something bigger and better than I've ever been told. And God is bigger and better than I've ever been told. And I want to go give that away to everyone I meet. And when I can get out of a posture of fear and insecurity and live consistently in rest, live consistently in celebratory life, play, knowing the creation is good and I'm very good, that changes everything being made in the image of god simply means you know when to stop creating you create you work but you get to that seventh day and you rest in the fact that he's a good father and you trust the whole story the seventh day never ended guys abram abraham right he didn't sometimes trust the whole story. You know, he went to Hagar because he didn't think God was going to reproduce with him. He he went into Egypt, and he wasn't supposed to go and lied about his wife. He did a betrothal um, covenant with God but was afraid to follow through. So God literally went and sprouted the blood for him. God took care of him anyway uh, because he wasn't a perfect human like us. But I'm going to tell you in a minute why he chose Abraham, and it's an incredible thing. It's a word that God gave me for Seth Barnes. And, and and it's learning how to live this way. God's name literally means creator, spirit, and voice in Genesis 1. Elohim. Elohim. Creator, spirit, and voice. When God spoke over the chaos, the nothingness, life happened. When God speaks, life happens. And guess what, guys? When you speak, Life happens. Ted Hansen does an incredible teaching on this. Our words are everything, and when we speak life, life happens. Okay, first Chronicles twelve thirty two. This is the amplified version on the men of on the tribe of Issachar. Of the tribe of Issachar, men who understood the times, with knowledge of what Israel should do, two hundred chiefs and all their relatives were at their command. Wisdom and understanding came from the heart and knowledge came from their mind. Another quote from Andrew Shearman, red hot hearts, ice cold brains, right? Our, hot, our hearts are full of passion and love. And we know that's where wisdom and understanding come from. And God sometimes allows our hearts to be tested. He did it with the Israelites. I'll show you that in a second. And then our minds, are focus, we don't, we, we stop. The, the, the stories we keep telling ourselves of negativity and what people are thinking about us and what they're saying about us. I mean, right now I'm having a really hard time with, with a couple of my kids and I can get into my head and start telling myself this horrible story of how I failed them and how miserable I am as a dad. And, and some of that could be true, right? And is true. But the truth is, is that we can get to freedom. We can get to healing. We can get to life because we see that. Let me read you Luke ten twenty seven. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And that word strength means might. Might. Everything within you. Are you willing to go die on the hill of inheritance? When the Israelites went out into the desert, God tested them in their hearts first. Are their hearts really with me? Are they for me? Then he tested them in their soul. Are they are they are they gonna stick with this? Are they going to serve me anyway, even when it doesn't make sense? And, and then he tested them in all their strength of their might. Do they have the cojones? Do they have that piss and vinegar? Do they have passion? Do they have that drive to say, I'm gonna go die on this mountain because it makes sense and I'm gonna cross over and get to my inheritance? And Luke 1027 ends like this: love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love yourself? You can't love yourself unless you know that you were born to be loved. And you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. And so the, the, the God as a father is going to test that. What's, what's in your heart? Do you, do you rule your emotions, your soul? Do, do, you captive, do you take captive every thought that comes in your mind and turn it into the love of God? When something bad happens, pain happens, which, guys, it's going to keep happening. Do you let that lodge in your soul where it's fragmented? Or do you say, Father, right now in Jesus' name, let this go in my spirit where it can be redeemed? That's the tenacity I'm talking about. God tested Israelites' heart and their soul and their strength in the desert. And he's testing ours today. I believe that with all my heart. I heard a story the other day of this pastor uh, was down in a uh, nice good old evangel- uh, evangelical guy, was in Dallas having coffee. And there was some, you know, the, the, the barista, the coffee person had their mask on, had long, beautiful hair, could see his beard, but had a dress on, some heels, very deep voice. And so he knew it was a trans gender, and he, he didn't know what to do. Literally, he said he froze. He, he, he didn't know what language to speak. He didn't know what to say. A, a pastor, a, a guy's been in ministry for 30 years, and he, and he froze. And you know why? Because he's not learning the language of the culture. Again, not endorsing, not, not saying, yeah, this is Jesus, but, but l- learning to get to know them, stopping what we're doing, and, and, and looking into their heart. And, and 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 hearing what 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 the pain is, what the good stuff is, all the things, and just learning their language. If I'm gonna learn Spanish, I have to learn the language, right? I have to take lessons. And it's time that we generationally start to learn from one another. We start stop being so critical and needing to be right and just express our hearts. And come together in humility and and have hard conversations. Again, I'm trying to do this with some of my own kids right now, and it's very difficult. It's an onslaught against my fatherhood, and and it's good for me. It's good for me to stop. It's good for me to wait in my heart. It's good for me to ask harder and deeper questions. And and, and, and you know, guys, listen. Honestly, in the history of Christianity, we have not been like the men of Issachar. We have not understood the times. I mean, you can go back to when, when the Vikings uh, invaded Britain. And the Britain Britain had actually been evangelized by the Romans with Christianity, which is kind of funny. Um, but they, I don't think they were Great Britain then. But, um, but what Britain did is they kind of went into their own little caves. And they said, okay, Vikings, you can kill those other Brits, but you can't kill these Brits. And they, they kind of secluded themselves and the Vikings took over. They didn't understand the times. Uh, what Y two K? Let's bring it closer. I, I, maybe some of you young people uh, don't don't remember this, but let's in two thousand from one thousand, nine hundred and ninety nine to two thousand, the church lost its ever loving mind. It was embarrassing, and we look back and we feel like we've got answers now because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But everybody was stocking up and moving to live over aqueducts, water, and I mean, we freaked out because the world was ending because of the computer, uh, all these things, and nothing happened. Not one thing. We've done it again, guys, and with COVID. Uh, again, horrible. Lots of people have lost loved ones. Uh, I was so sick last August. I've never been that sick in my life. I thought I was going to die. My, di- my dad still has COVID right now. Uh, we almost lost Andrew Sherman. He lost a ton of weight. It's a real thing. But the way we've responded, the way we've secluded and gone into fear, we look like the rest of the world, uh, it, It's it's pathetic. And I, I, I'm so over it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm so done with it. And, and we've got to start to rise again as the church, not go against all the rules and you wear your mask, get vax if you want, all the things. I'm not speaking of any of that. I'm not going right and wrong, guys. I'm going life and death. How do we find out what God's saying right now? Know the signs of the time. And how do we bring life multigenerationally? So we're moving into an uh, an Issachar generational movement. Boomers, guys, you, you guys in your 60s, it's the first time you know anything. I love Richard Rohr teaches that. Like you don't really know anything until you're in your 60s. And guys, studies are showing this. I can give you all kinds of studies that when you hit your 60s, you you are thriving. You finally have some wisdom, some understanding. It's going to be the largest wealth transference the, the world has ever seen. Boomers, you've, you know how to make money. You've, you've done really well. And, and all the studies are showing it's the most productive time of your life. And it keeps getting better. You can even thrive and do better in your 70s and 80s if you allow it to. Now, you can stop, retire, quit, get out of the game, go chase that little white ball around, and you won't. You will not produce. Now, again, go play golf. Go celebrate. I I love the game. I'm horrible at it. But that's not all your retirement's about. In fact, retirement is not in the Bible. How are you going to be productive in your most productive time of your life? That's you guys. Wisdom and resource. And guess what? When you start to get this age, I'm 55, I'm getting close, you actually... Learn that you could have trusted the story at a deeper level instead of trying to fix things and manipulate things. And you could have trusted the overarching story better. For Gen Xers, my generation, we've got energy, man. We're full. We're ready. We've got some understanding, right? We're ready to, to, to help people get things started and, and to reproduce wealth and, and to get in the ministry and know that business and, and, and Christianity, our faith, are not different, We don't have to go into ministry to be better. Everything should be the same. And and we understand that. We're getting that. And then the the millennials, they've they've got more truth and compassion than any generation we've ever known. The millennials are incredible parents. Little side note, don't let your kids in your room. It's sacred. Lisa's book, All Sacred Things, is done. We're getting it edited again and published. Sacred things are important. But your generation understands that, man, we can really produce goodness uh, with people who can't do it for themselves. And all of us together, guys, as generations, have to serve Generation Z to become a generation that reaches itself. You know that I've said this. all. A generation reaches itself. Old guys, we get to come and love you, lay our lives down, say, get on my back and be better than I was. You're a little bit older in your 30s, 40s, you're a millennial. You get to say, guys, here is where I didn't listen. I didn't want my mom and dad speaking in my life. I didn't want to be discipled. I looked everywhere for a good father and mother and couldn't find one. We get to all come together and say, let's disciple. Don't let them say that about you is what I'm trying to say here. Go disciple a Gen Z. Go meet with them. And all that that is, as Andrew's taught us before, slice of toast and a cup of coffee. Listen. Don't think about what you're going to say next. Listen really close. And then impart to them. Give them what you've learned that the Father's done in your life. Every generation is offered inheritance to cross over and take the land for their generation. The question is, what hill are you willing to die on? Are you willing to help this generation get to inheritance? I was, uh, I was on with Seth Barnes the other day, and the, and the Holy Spirit had given me a word for him. And it was really clear. I, I love, you know, Abram. And what, what, it's really cool. Go study. His brothers, his, one of his brothers dies. He chooses to marry a woman that cannot reproduce, a barren woman. And God went, yes, that's who I want. I want men and women. I mean, Deborah, Esther, Moses. Moses, what did he say to God when he when they built the calf? He said, God, take me instead of them. What did Esther say? If I die, I die. I'm going to die on this hill. Right? Deborah, Noah. These, he chose men and women, and he still does, guys, that live for other people, not themselves. And I believe that about Seth Barth. He told me Seth is like Abram. Abraham, he became, the Holy Spirit came in him, and he realized that, look, from the beginning, life's not about me. It's about making other people better, and I don't need any benefit to go serve them. Abram knew he wasn't going to reproduce. Now, he messed up like we talked about earlier. He went to Hagar (laughs) instead of trusting that God was going to get Sarah, Sarai pregnant, and he you know, and a whole nation came from that. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could go into, but we have to learn how to trust the story, but we must live for other people and not ourselves. I don't know how else to say this. Jesus, you get for free. Christ will cost you everything. When my Michael was uh, at university on his full ride rugby scholarship and there's some really crazy things that happened, and he had to die a certain way. But he he found himself on the floor of his dorm room, rocking for three hours. His friends told me, put his head between his knees, and he just rocked and rocked and rocked, and not one person stopped and asked him what was going on. And then a few minutes later, he died a horrible, horrible, violent death, and took his life. And 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 the the the, the story of that rocks me to my core because there's tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of this generation with their 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 head between their knees rocking crying out to god crying out in their suicidal thoughts crying out in their depression and their anxiety 51% of girl uh, since for t- in 2 years of suicide increase uh, They're crying out. My my, my question I want to ask you is, why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? I know exactly what you said. Because of the sin, because of the debauchery. Everybody would say that. That's not true. Scripture says God heard the cry of the people. So he went in because he heard the cry of the people. And my question is, do you hear the cry of the generation? What are you going to do about it? I can hear the cry of the generation. And look, I'm can go back to Egypt as much as anyone else. I can go put my head in the sand, never get to freedom, never get to inheritance, live a simple life, go to church on Sunday, be a good little Christian, You know, pay my tithe, whatever. I can go do that. I can go back to what I've always known, and I can get stuck. And when I do that, I'll, I'm going to teach the, the generation, first of all, they're not worth it, and to do the same. You know, why aren't young men getting married? Why is the biggest epidemic for Lisa and I talking to 30-some-year-old women every day that can't find a man because men have never seen marriage done well? Their parents got divorced. Why would I go do this? They've not seen their kids raised well, right? So they're, why would I ever go do that? And it's up to us to shift that. We can go back to Egypt, guys. We'll be taken care of. We can live a nice life. It's okay. If some, I mean, again, most of us choose that, Right? Or is there something bigger and greater that we can give our lives to? I think that the church has been doing this for generations now, just like 400 years in slavery, and it's time something shift. It's time for an Issachar moment, generationally, transformationally. I can lay my life down for the leaders in this next generation. I can disciple them. I can give them my wisdom, and I can teach them how to rest, how to celebrate how to see God as their father, not some angry, distant ogre who's disappointed and hates them because they were born in sin and they need to perform somehow to get to heaven. It's a pathetic, ridiculous message, and I'm laying my life down, guys. I'm all in, all chips are in, to teach this generation how to celebrate with a a good, good father. Knowing the signs of the times and then how to live, live in them has to be the most pressing challenges that we're facing right now because here's the full extent of the issachar question what is and this is in the notes guys and i want you to look at this and i'd love for you to answer this some of you and i'm i'm, I'm wrapping up here it's my first closing what is the nature of the world in which i'm living i wrote fear they're frozen lack of hope lack of faith uh, what's the challenges of my generation challenge to sacrifice, to be generous, to believe in who they are. What's the status of the epic struggle between right and wrong instead of life and death? What the church has taught us for so long now is right and wrong and Christianity is about moralism and being good enough and, and performing enough and it's not about that at all. It's about life and death. Religion kills faith. Life breeds life. What's the direction this culture's headed? What do you see in that? What's the nature of the world's great crisis? Oh, I love this statement, but God. Yes, we're in crisis. Yes, things are crazy, the politics, all the trash going on, but God. Doesn't that just bring rest to your spirit? And then from that, we need to ask ourselves a second question. How should I live? How do I live a life of meaning consequence, impact, and influence for the cause of Christ and for the generation? How should the church, our ministries, take its place in the vanguard of culture engagement and missional force? What are we doing? What do we do with this? Do you see the challenge the men of Issachar must have had with Israel? To know the signs of the times, and then how do we live? You should know this now more than ever look guys I have a ton of hope I am I am preaching again I'm out here I want an impartation in your life right now in Jesus name father would you whoever is listening to this would you awaken the dreams again inside would you stop the stories that we're telling ourselves as we're trapped in our minds God in that that spirit of depression and suicide and anxiety would lift right now and that, Father, that prophetic utterance would be released. The ha that you put in Abram. The ha that you put in Sarah. God, the prophetic utterance. Would you release it on anyone and everyone who's listening to this? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you. Love you. GaryAndLisaBlack.com. Hit us up. We're around. Lisa's going to be back on here. I promise. Much love, guys. Bye.